You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 202. <laughs> we are professional podcasters and PC developers. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me to my virtual right or left, I don't know, John Congdon. <laughs> it's so hard to tell. We don't know where we're at. I don't even know what's happening tonight. And to my other side, I'm 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 sandwiched between two PHP developers, Thomas Rideout. Hello. So is Sound this a, a PHP low sandwich? Kind of weird. Yes, John is on your left. Mm. How is everybody doing? Have a, having a rough start of it this uh, this <laughs> afternoon. I got to be honest with you. Well, everyone's got uh, brand new recording equipment and trying to get it all worked out and Joe Rogan qualityed up. <laughs> And I, uh, I've got mine. Um, the only problem it's like five, six pounds. And the, uh, the arm that came with my $40 shipped direct from China microphone is a bit, uh, rusted and not as springy as she used to be. So, uh, unable to hook that one up today for this episode, unless I had the microphone like in my chest. Disappointing. Disappointing, but that's all right. But you guys, you guys went all out. You've got the the full sure setups. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I had I had to do something. Honestly, um, you know, I did did the math, and I think I've gone through three or four Yeti mics, and they last for a little while, and they go bad, and so. I don't well, know, between this and PHP Architect and a couple other things we do, John and I just decided. Eh. That is that is one thing. Mine came with very like explicit care instructions. It's got this bag and it says you have to you have to tuck it in every night. It tells you, you. <laughs> it says not only do you tuck it in every night, but you put the reusable uh anti moisture packet at the head of the microphone to prevent moisture from collecting on the microphone. And and when it turns pink, that means it's dead, and you have to bake it for ten minutes, and it'll turn blue again. You want to know a life hack? You get enough of those moisture packs, you can put them in your animals' dry food bins, and it keeps their food from getting moist as well. You just have to make sure you don't feed it to your animals. <laughs> yeah, I bought two bags of them. They're like a dollar for fifty of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are surprisingly cheap. Uh, common so, in three D printing too. You need to keep your filament dry. Ah, so this episode is sponsored by. My good friends, Linda and Ben Welch, who bought me a nice stone IPA. Maybe they don't understand how the sponsorship works. They're supposed to buy us all IPAs. I've got a stone delicious IPA. I have a a Guinness in in wine tonight, so I'm I'm, I'm two-fisting it here. (laughs) Okay. They may have bought it because we're watching their dog right now. But I also know they've watched our episodes in the past, so I figured a little shout out. That's oh nice. God. Nice to have sponsorship every now and then. They've watched the episodes and they'll still talk to you. That's real friendship. Yeah, yeah. they still trust you with I their s- dog. <laughs> <laughs> I've been known to say some stupid stuff. Yeah, 
You've been known to say nothing for an entire episode. This that is true. Is true. <laughs> he, said, true. he said, yes, I'm trying something new tonight. And then it was silence for 57 minutes. <laughs> oh, that was, that's probably the best episode we ever had. I'll say we have, we have the infamous pot episode where he was fighting to stay awake the whole show. I think that's the one he was talking about. Uh, yeah. Speaking, yeah. speaking of sponsors, we'd like to thank our Patreons. And furthermore, look what I got. Look what I got. Look what I got. Look what I got. Oh. So, if you for are. For the listeners, our- he's holding up the uh, PHP Ugly uh, Patreon Pe- keychain lanyard. Technically, it's not the Patreon keychain. I just accidentally said it was, and now we're giving you one to everybody. <laughs> I went back and look at. I went back to Patreon to get everybody's address to send them their keychain, and I looked at our reward levels. I'm like, huh? We only said we're sending them stickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, we didn't send those though either. So I got a whole whole bunch of them here. Um, if, if you're one of our Patreons that are expecting a reward level and you do not have your address in Patreon, please go there. You should have a message from me asking you for your address. If I can't send you your Patreon reward, unless I know where to send it. I tried this before. Didn't work out. <laughs> so cost us a lot yes. in shipping, but we got them all back. Got them. That's right. Since oh, how's, that, how's your week been? Mine has been fairly productive. I, I can't can't complain too much. Been struggling with uh, Docker in, in production. This is where I've kind of um, used a lot of my authority in the past, where I've pushed this off to other people to manage. <laughs> and we have a we have a new client that we have in a different environment, and I'm trying to shield our our other ops people from this new environment as much as possible. So I decided to tackle this deployment of Docker and, Oh, what a night, not, not a nightmare. It's just a learning curve. I mean, I use Docker locally a lot and didn't think I was getting into too much trouble with it in production, but yeah, yeah. I'm learning a few things. One thing is it can take up a lot of disk space. If you're not careful, we, uh, we figured that out. What was that, today or yesterday, John? It was, that was today, but it still makes absolutely no sense. This The app is so small. There is no real usage on it other than the client maybe testing it. Mm-hmm. And somehow it grew to use the full 80 gigs available on the server. I've seen yeah. that, too. Well, it, what was really weird, John and I were on there troubleshooting it. I couldn't find where all this disk space was being used. And John's like, well, uh, you know, this... I forget what what it was, but it's one thing it, was going to free up like five gig, and it was something that, with the doctor. Well, that was that was through a doctor command. Uh, it said you could reclaim five gig. Reclaim. That's it. You I, reclaim I easily found the files. They were in varlib doc. Mm-hmm. Although it, so, it did say there were two files each using eighty gigs, but the entire I never looked to see if they're similar. I don't think they were. Maybe that that's what the problem was. Maybe it was a similar. Maybe. Anyways, John John's like, well, if we run this command, we can reclaim five gig. I'm like, all right, run the command because at least that will you know give us a little breathing room. Although by this time I had already doubled the disk space, so we basically doubled the price of the server. But I'm like, yeah, go ahead and run that command. Let's at least free up that five gig. And he runs the command and like frees up 70 gig. I'm like, what did you do? He's like, I ran the command. 
It's not, it's not how it should work. A little copy paste so, from Stack Overflow. It worked perfectly. Stack Overflow. Our, to be our fair, they team Stack Overflow. Yeah, I thought it would clear up more than the five gigs. I don't know what they that reclaim space, but whatever. We got through it. Now we're just going to monitor it over the next couple of days, see what why it's growing the way it was. But yeah, besides that, it's been been pretty productive coding from a coding perspective. I, I just brought down our local user groups. Uh, <laughs> Her local user group's website right before the show, I told John, I'm like, hey, uh, yeah, SDPHP is down, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm leaving for Arizona, so I'll either fix it on Monday, or, you know, maybe you can fix it for me. <laughs> John didn't reply. I'm used to that. You On a your Thursday night, I have my kids, I put them to bed, I get here for the show. When was I going to reply to you? Uh, I was too whatever. busy out at the park flying an airplane. <laughs> That's that's the new thing. RC airplanes with the kids. Is it still flying? I'm surprised. I'm 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 jealous. I want to go to the park and fly an airplane with you. Sure, come on over. What do you mean? Is it still flying? Of course, it's still flying. A little I've... forty dollar airplane that my son got for his birthday that we've only gotten stuck in the tree ten times. <laughs> See, that's I what found I'm out. About. I'm really good at climbing trees again. <laughs> oh, nice. I mean, your kids are small enough. You can just pretty much throw them up there. Just I have I've done that too. So good man. There's been a couple of trees where I was I've been able to hoist Grayson up, and there's enough almost like a netting of branches where I feel comfortable with him being up there. And he's he's gained so much confidence in climbing trees that I put him up in one recently, and he's he keeps going higher. I'm like, great, you need to you need to grab onto the bigger branches, and he's grabbing on these little flimsy things, and I'm like down on the ground like. What are you doing? Stop! You don't go any higher. <laughs> so this is this is what happens when you go vegan. You start putting too much trust in plants. <laughs> it's just going to reach out and catch him. There you go. That worked. How's your week so been, John? Or were you not done, Eric? No, I was actually going the same direction you were. Yeah, let's hear it, John. Uh, my week's been mostly good. Outside of I'm terrible at following scope, and you know I, I'll get stuff working, but miss stupid things, and it drives me absolutely bonkers. It's frustrating when you know you turn something in, you're like, it works, and it's like, yeah, if you do exactly the the steps that I intend you to do, it works. But putting in that mental power beyond those steps, like, oh well, what about doing it this way? Or maybe the delete button should work as well when you're not really thinking about the delete button. So it's just frustrating when I'm when I'm not catching those things prior to it being so. That's some frustrating crap. On top of that, this morning I was on a whole conversation. Uh, there's an application we have in Salesforce. I'm trying to figure out where to put this card. And all of a sudden it stopped working. It was because there's an iframe on Salesforce that loads in some of the, the details from Phoneburn. I'm trying to figure out why it wasn't working. And turns out Chrome made a change and they made people aware of it October of last year. I should probably subscribe to the change log or some sort of update from Chrome as as the uh, browser updates, especially since so many people auto update with it. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a setting on cookies where you can say you want the same site to be strict, lax, or none. And by default, it's just not set. And Chrome back last year was like, yeah, too many sites aren't setting some sort of option. They're not setting it to anything. And by default, browsers were assuming none, but they didn't like that. So now they assume strict unless you choose none. Let me see if I can share my... Does this work? Nope. That, feels like that, that feels like that should be a client-side option, not up to the website. 
So this is for third party cookies. So yeah. that needs to be on our our site. So on Phoneburner, they should be choosing whether if their site is loaded into an iframe, should cookies be allowed to flow? And that's basically what this is. But because most sites weren't setting anything, Chrome said we're not going to assume none. The assumption should be strict unless otherwise. So it took a little a little finagling to figure out, but then the settings, the way the sites explain what the settings mean was very confusing on why it wasn't working. If you do same site black, it's supposed to work for get requests. And all of the requests were get, but it still wasn't working. As soon as we changed it to same site none, it worked fine. So Chrome was still blocking and I, I'm still flabbergasted. Still not sure what's happening and why. I don't like Ecam. I want to go back to OBS. I can't figure out our, our delay issue with OBS. Well, I will I be, be I will be taking a look at that. Is uh, that, that going to be your job this weekend? That is, that is one of my jobs this weekend. Um, I've got all my, my setup stuff ready to go, so hopefully it should be easy to just drop in and be using OBS again on a desktop, not a power-saving attempt at a laptop. You know what? You say that, and I almost pulled the trigger on a System76, one of those little cube desktops. The, the one that comes with, there's, they have one that comes with a GPU. I'm like, I bet you I could get that, and I bet you OBS would just run fine. I, I, I am looking for excuses to buy a I, System76 machine. I know. <laughs> the Meerkat. Yeah, I, I forget. What, is that the small cube one? Yeah. yeah. Small but fierce. And, and the, not the low end, but the next size up has a uh, has a um, graphic card in it. Uh, not a graphic card, a, G, a GPU in it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So it's it's weird when I try to when I click on the mini uh, on the website and then I say design and buy, it takes me to the desktop versions, which I don't know why it's doing that, but I, I figured I had to get there once before. I don't know. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't know. I don't need to spend any more money. I've I've spent enough of uh, enough money lately, so I don't want to do. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure OBS not running on your laptop. Hmm? Did you continue to complain about OBS not running on your laptop? Yeah, probably. Yeah, there you go. The, the, not the short, the tall. That's what it was. The tall. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what did you break, Jen? So before the. Before the show, I went to pour a beer. My tap got stuck, so it just overflowed the cup, so I just let it sit there. I put the tap up on my printer, and somehow it decided to just fall or jump. <laughs> it's like, I got to get out of here, and it jumped off the printer. <laughs> Looks like I lied to you. I guess I guess it doesn't come with a GPU. I, I, I came up with one configuration, one like low-end configuration that had a GPU in it. it must, maybe it was the, the new desktops. The I don't know. Filio. The Thelios, yeah, yeah. The Thelio, the middle one has a has a GPU. Well, the smallest one does. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, that must have been what I looked at. The smallest uh, Thelio, then. Well, I've been uh, I've been working on a project that is ninety percent being developed by a third party, and the back end and PHP side is being developed by me. That's that's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that rough? That, that's the way it, not the way it should be but it's nice when you have that separation where as long as you two are agreeing on what's being passed and received yeah we're not there's like well. <laughs> almost zero communication basically i'm getting his application and trying to make it work um but uh, which, but if you're doing the 
I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but uh, if you're doing the back end, I assume you're doing the logic. Does that mean they're just doing There's, the front? I'm doing the storage and the management. Oh, He's, so they they're doing logic as well. It's not even logic. It's a 3D application. It's like a game designer thing. Hmm. So it's 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 a heck of a an undertaking. Um, and I got it working relatively well now. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, but one of the big changes we're going to is uh, Minio storage. Well, Minio is, is just it's just for development. Minio, well, it's made for development. It, it, it's made to simulate either S3 or spaces for DigitalOcean. But you you don't really use it in production because it's just storing it locally. So well, there's it doesn't a whole, make there's sense. There's a whole thing it. here about how to use it for production. And we're using it to, I believe, replace some of our storage through S3. What what is what's the objective there? Why why I mean why I guess okay, what, write, what are you trying to do? Hold on, let me write that down so I know to ask tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> asshole. I, on, no, I honestly hadn't asked. I was told we're going this direction. <laughs> I don't know if it is just for development now that you mentioned are, are you running it on a separate server, maybe? Are you doing that? That's possible. I mean, they have they have a guide for running it using uh, Docker Swarm, which is mm-hmm. multiple servers, multiple instances. But it's your it's it's basically your storage. You don't. <laughs> Please tell me they're not putting it on the front end and on the back end. It's just S three because <laughs> no, no. I okay, think this, good. This would be an attempt. If I'm guessing correctly, which I might not be, that to build our own CDN. I mean, I guess it could be useful. I, I just don't know. With as cheap as S3 and digital ocean spaces are. You why? say that. No, you say that. But we're mm-hmm. serving lots of content. Yeah, but you'd still be serving. Now you're just responsible for the hardware and the bandwidth serving that content. I don't know what to tell you. I know that there's there's a guy whose job is to cut costs where he can. And this is, could be something under his purview. Oh, good luck with that. I, I love S3. Well, we use both S3 and Spaces in DigitalOcean, and I, I love it. I mean, you can, Space, you can do... Spaces uses the S3, basically, API, right? Kind of a clone within mm-hmm. DigitalOcean. Yeah, yeah it, Minio does the same thing. It's it's totally API compatible. Right, 100% API compatible with the S3 standard clients, including S3 itself, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, and you can do this in, in Minio as well. You can create temporary URLs that expire. So you can say, okay, you know, this serve up this image, but that this URL expires in 30 seconds, 30 minutes, 30 days, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. Uh, I mean, it's, it's great. I just don't know why, why you'd want to take I'm more curious. I, when I, when, when I you find out I'll Minio, let you know. me, me or Eric, Eric, he, he, hmm? all of a sudden he's like, so knowledgeable in Minio. I'm like, when have you when did you learn about Minio and what have you done with it? Well, we're, we're I've never heard of it. it. Yeah, we're using it on a couple clients. Uh, we are, the, yeah. The um, okay. <laughs> the, the log group client is is. I mean, the development team is using it. We, we oh, have I, it know, I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fun. It's it's cool. It's out there. It's one of those things. <laughs> yeah. If you want right, to simulate during development, if you want to simulate an S three storage. Uh, container or, or storage solution. That's how you do it. You just spin up a little Minio 
It doesn't even have to be a Docker container. I think you can even install Minio through Brew on Mac. And yeah, it, that's I have it in my Vagrant image now. Yeah, so it's like you just install it and you just write your code. And like in Laravel, it's really sweet. You just tell it, okay, this is our cloud driver. Use the Minio driver or use the S3 driver and everything just works. Yeah, Honestly, if all we use it for is development, it's going to be much better than what we were doing, which was having a sandbox bucket. Oh, so. John, we, we, I implemented it on Argus. <laughs> so Argus, we have, uh, we're using, we moved all the, um, avatars to S3. So I had the, the development team use a Minio and Docker so uh, that they could do their development. Well, I need, I need this now because I have <laughs> basically a whole storage piece within the code base mm-hmm. and my tests are using local. So, I mean, it's probably fine. It's just using a local driver versus the AWS driver, but it's not simulating AWS at that point. So maybe this right. would be a better Yeah, this approach. is exact, yeah. exactly what you want, yeah. You're listening and, to PHP Ugly, where John gets his news about what's going on at Diego Dev. <laughs> <laughs> and the products we've launched. Speaking of the products we've launched, uh, Argus, Argus.to is out there. Um, we're dog fooding it now. We have some clients on it. Um, it's being used. We're getting a lot of great feedback. We're iterating on a few things. We found a couple bugs, but we do have a wait list out there now. Um, if you're listening and you need a cron job monitoring solution, uh, and you're interested, uh, throw your email in there. I might even reach out to you to see if you want to be an early beta tester because we're just trying to get more jobs on the server so that, you know, these bugs start to surface a little faster. So the whole point around the, the whole purpose of this is we have clients that, you know, the cron jobs, are, especially around billing, are their lifeline to in trying to put monitoring within the application itself doesn't make those. Now you, that's your already your single point of failure. So the way Argus is meant to run is you tell it how often it should run. If we don't hear from your application within that time, so if it's supposed to run daily tomorrow, if we haven't heard, hey, we're starting today's billing run, we can let you know, hey, there might be a problem. The nice part about it is you're hoping that it's false positive. You get alerted. You're hoping there might be a problem. Let me go look. Maybe there's versus not hearing anything. And then they're really being a problem. And you just assume everything's running fine. And although the right. one client we have, it's, it's, I don't want to say a game changer for them because I think that word gets overutilized, but they're really happy to have that visibility now. Um, to John's point, there's one particular <laughs> yeah. job that's just like the cornerstone of their business. And that job has gone weeks without running before, before anybody figured out the fact that it wasn't running, but there's two days out of the month that are like critical that it must run. And um, now that, now that they're getting this daily and we actually implemented a feature they requested because uh, Argus originally was set up to only send out notifications on failures. So if you, you can have it alert you that a job didn't start, you can have it alert you that a job didn't finish. If you, if you have it set up, to monitor that and um, he was like i'd really like a notification that the job started i'm like you want a notification that is successfully ran like you're going to get a notification every day he's like yeah no that's what i want (laughs) so i'm like okay we can make that happen and we implemented that feature so yeah yeah. well the, the weird part is the job itself already emails at the end of it but it's again it's one of those 
you have to be so aware that you didn't receive something to know there's a problem versus mm-hmm. getting something saying, hey, there might be a problem. Mm-hmm. So, so can, I, can I say one thing about it? Sure. The, uh, what are you going to say? The, the logo. Well, I, I said already that I, I'm not a huge fan of the, uh, the hero banner, but I was looking at the logo in the top left, mm-hmm. and it looks a little funny to me. How's that? It's it says Argus Cron Monitor and it's it's got a bit of aliasing on it and by a bit of aliasing I mean you have the HTML element sized to width 200 but the image that it's linking is 3012 by 792 <laughs> So it's a nice sharp image I don't understand what the problem is Well it turns out that the web browser is not great at scaling images that much so fine. your text gets a little hard to read. I don't know what you're saying. I, I don't see. I don't see what you see, but okay. I'll take a. I'll take a look at that. that that's a fair. That's a fair criticism. I appreciate. Uh, now it. I will say you can zoom in really, really close to the image, and it looks fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Thanks. cool. Congratulations, guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, side note, uh, Thomas, are you hearing John clip? Is uh, he, he clipping for yes, you? he clips when he starts talking. Okay. Well, then I should just stop talking. Uh, I'm fine with that. Actually, you know what I think it is? I think he clips when someone else is talking or when someone else's mic picks up. I think it's a Skype thing. Well, that's the first time I, I've seen him clip like that. Oh, I've heard it a ton. I mean, we have new hardware. That's that's why I bring it up. We're, we're still dolling everything in. So hopefully right, everybody's well, Is that better. any better? I mean, you're not clipping. Yeah, so you're it's not talking. Yeah, okay. you don't want me to talk too much. That that would be bad. That's true. So we'll it's just assume better, it's though. we'll assume it's fixed. Okay. <laughs> Let's just go with that. It's fixed. Uh, I found so, an interesting project this week. Oh, cool! You, you, well, first thing you bailed on me this past weekend. I thought we were going to do some Vim online stuff. You didn't call, and I slept in till like three. <laughs> well, I'm not doing it this weekend. I'm I'm go- heading out to Arizona, so. Ah. It's not happening this weekend. I'm well, gonna I, do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some Vim stuff. I, I I'm gonna just do, do some live coding. I've been wanting to do that. I have two weeks of vacation coming up, so I'll be available all the time because my idea of vacation is just not having to go to work. <laughs> but you're still home. You're not going anywhere. No. Awesome. I I'll probably be like doing some woodworking projects. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Building uh building furniture. Gonna start with a. Uh, workbench for the garage and then yeah. uh you gotta, you gotta have a workbench to to, to build things so yep. you know that's go. the one thing i missed doing i just redid my garage and i i put up all sorts of uh, tool stuff on the walls to hold all my tools but i don't have a workbench well if you've got a table saw that you can make one okay. i have a circular saw not a table saw I need a table saw for a circular saw. I need a table saw. I need a workbench for a table saw. He's having a stroke here. <laughs> I need a saw to saw stuff to make a saw holder to saw more stuff. Yes. That's always my issue with the the YouTube channels that I'm watching. They're always like, hey, you know, this came out a, a millimeter too thick, so we're going to run it over to the planer and... And then back onto the back onto the the cutting table. Everybody has one of these, so yeah, I don't, yeah. Back on the cutting table where we're going to line it up with my custom jig that I made just for making drawers, and just uh, zip zip, and you're done. 
Cool. <laughs> seems easy, easy. Seems really easy if you've been doing it for thirty years. I've I've got French doors that lead into the the room here. That ooh la la. Well, the the problem is they stick, so I have to hold one of them closed in order to open the doors. And I know it's because it's that millimeter too thick. And I'm like, I just need mm-hmm. to plane off just a tiny bit off this door. One, too lazy to take the door yeah. down. Don't have the right tools to do it properly. So I would end up either trying to do it with a circular saw, which was stupid, or try and use a hand planer, which I would screw up and all of a sudden the, the edge would be all sorts of wavy. <laughs> so instead, I just deal with it because I'm the only one that comes into this room. It's almost kind of nice because the kids can't open the door from the other side. See, I, I have this like general fear of any kind of subtractive manufacturing that I'm trying to get over. Like, just just putting a nail in a wall to me is very hair-raising. I'm like, I have to freak out over it for a little while before I get myself up to doing it. It's drywall. It patches easily. I know. I also you can have put 50 holes right in a row trying to find a stud. It works. I also have a it, lot it, of drywall holes to patch. It's it's just so little. You can actually use toothpaste if you're really in a pinch. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how easily it patches. Well, last weekend... And, and by the way, if you're just joining good. us, you're... You're listening to Woodworking Ugly. This is a weekly podcast <laughs> brought to you by three people who don't know anything about woodworking. So not very different than the original podcast. <laughs> no, no, I, I got a uh, jigsaw, got a jigsaw and a little uh, indoor pet door for my cats. So my office has a cat door in it now, and I actually buckled down and did it. I'm very proud of myself for, for doing that. Good job. Yeah, it took like five minutes. Now I have to put up the shelves that I bought six months ago. <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm going to move us on, but not to PHP Please. stuff. I'm going yeah, to a com- <laughs> I'm gonna move on to a complaint slash I have more information as of yesterday anyway, because I had this on last week's show notes, but we okay. never got to it. Uh, I have an Android application that I maintain. We For push notifications, we've been using pushbots. I finally get back into the application recently to implement, you know, the whole, hey, are you enjoying our application? Please leave us a review nonsense. While Mm -hmm. I'm in there, I'm like, oh, look, I also have to update this, which led to I have to update that, which led to I have to update pushbots for notifications. Upon further review, I find out this has probably not been working since sometime last year because they moved from Google Cloud Messenger to Firebase Cloud Messenger. I'm having trouble updating the library. Try contacting their their helpline through pushbots that help. You know, they're <clears throat> they have the live help and I noticed nobody's seen my message <laughs> to the point where two days later I still don't have a response. To I call their customer service number and it's like a generic voicemail. It's not like, hey, you've reached pushbots, leave us a message, we'll get back to you. So that's when I put this card up here to talk about last week how I don't understand how their customer service works. Mm-hmm. Finally get a, a response. It turns out I used a different email address from the account on the help site. Because why do you have two different domains? I don't know. Ah. So because I'm on a different domain, I guess when I went to start a help session, I put in a different email address. Hmm. Because they weren't linked, it wasn't a paid account, became low priority in their queue. It just kicked you to the side. Yeah. When they finally got back to me, mm-hmm. they're like, 
oh, if you would have used this email address, we would have known you were a paying customer. And it's like, don't admit that to me. That just frustrates me. <laughs> well, I I have a similar problem, but I mean, so some some at some point in time, I tried to conver- apparently I tried to convert or I tried to include the Diego Dev business on my PayPal. Uh, account. I, I don't know why had I done that. Maybe we we're building something at the time. I don't know. But at some point, I tried to validate Diego Dev as my business on PayPal. So it it uh, for, for whatever reason, I ended up in this weird loop where it, it kept saying it was validated, and then I'd go to the, the homepage, and it would say, hey, click this link to finish validating your business. I'd click it. It would say, thank you. You're all validated. We appreciate it. And this just kept going on. So eventually, I just got tired of it. I just closed it out. This had to have been years ago because I have totally forgotten about it. And I use PayPal pretty regularly. Um, I, I put money in. I pay, I pay things through PayPal. So I've been using it now for this t- this time that has lapsed. Like I said, a, a year or two years, three years, however long it's been. And then all of a sudden I couldn't add money to my account anymore. And you talk about a nightmare scenario to get in touch with support. PayPal support is horrible. Absolutely horrible. Did and you I try finally, tweeting at Elon Musk? He's very he responsive. One the, he's one of the original PayPal uh, founders, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, maybe I should have done that. Maybe that's where I went wrong. I'm sure Elon would have uh, <laughs> would have jumped right on that. It doesn't but seem yeah, like he's got much else to do. They eventually get back to me. It's like, oh, yeah, you, you never validated your business. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Because by this time, I had totally forgotten about it i'm like what are you talking what business and they're like oh it looks like you run a business called die god i'm like what no (laughs) (laughs) and and we we had to go through jump through all and and they wanted physical like paperwork like you have to show us these you know these these papers for us to approve your business i'm like you don't have to approve my business i don't we, we we've already set up another paypal account for the business i'm not even worried about it and the guy is like, well, at this point, it's actually easier to approve your business than to turn you back to a regular client. Can you just give <laughs> us the papers? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It was easier was for like, them. For you, you had to contact me. I had to go through all, our, all of our files, send them over to you. It was crazy, man. So so now I have Diego Dev on my PayPal uh, account, apparently. But but yeah, your, your customer service uh, story was just... So here I am, as far as they know, I'm in business, which I am a business. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm a business trying to do business through PayPal. And this was probably a two-week process of, of messages. When I, when I finally got to their messaging board where I could actually talk to people, it was probably a, a two-week process of messages going back and forth. Well, try this, do this, go here, do that. I'm like, you guys are idiots. It was frustrating. Yeah, but at least unlike open source, you eventually get someone who can support you. That damn open source, you're just stuck forever. It's not like there's any systems for actually supporting Stack Overflow and every minor question you could possibly ever have. (laughs) All right, I'm done. Uh, Has that been an hour yet? I feel like it's been an hour. I've got stuff. You do have stuff. So um, what are you talking about? So I, yeah, I ran across this interesting project that allows users to authenticate in Laravel oh, excuse me, with biometric data. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. And I was immediately struck by like, hey, this seems like a terrible idea. 
like you send biometric data across the web? Like how does you would have to incorporate a server and client side key sharing and then encrypt it for it to be in any way secure and what kind of browser would support doing that easily and turns out yeah no I was 100% right uh that's what <laughs> that's what that's what you have to do but it also turns out that yeah that's been implemented in all the major browsers and yeah, everybody supports it <laughs> yeah specifically the mobile browsers all mm-hmm. support it so it is just like a drop in thing where you ask somebody for their fingerprint and they give it to you and it's totally secure have you looked at the package did you did you play with it no i don't have an impetus to do it i'm going to bring it up to my uh, higher ups and see what they think of it everything i've i haven't seen this package specifically but everything i've seen around biometric acceptance has been basically they store your credentials locally you say yes, I want to send it. And you're just resending your actual credentials. You're telling me they're actually sending your fingerprint data to websites. You're you're sending a valid signed certificate that your local, yeah, your local machine is saying I've signed your request for a fingerprint with my fingerprint. Here's the response. If it matches the original, then it's, you know, the same as OAuth two or what have you. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the data. That's right. why it needs browser support is because the browser is doing a lot of the overhead for that. So what you do is you create a web auth n, which is the protocol that everything here is using. Uh, mm-hmm. You create a web auth n credentials table and tie it to your users. And now you have a way of doing a, essentially a two factor using biometrics. Yeah. So it's pretty. I've, it's heard, of, I've heard of web auth cool. n. So I guess that, that makes more sense. I was I was ready to check this package out and flame more of the guy on Reddit, but it uh, turns out no, it's, <laughs> it's all right. He's just he's making it easy to implement that within a Laravel application, is what you're saying? Yes, yeah, he's tying gotcha. it to the Laravel authentication stuff. So pretty cool. Uh, there's also been uh, who boy amount of stuff going on with PHP eight. Oh, fun stuff, good stuff. What? I am so excited. Um, I don't, I don't know how there's still stuff getting added in because I thought we were at a feature freeze, but I guess this stuff was earlier this month, right before the feature freeze. Uh, so the first big one, very, very backward compatibility breaking, is saner string to number comparisons. So zero equals equals foo no longer evaluates to true, okay. which is good. Uh, it's important to note that this is, uh, I, I'm pretty sure number first string second i think if you put the string first and the number second it does something different it evaluates it to string either way this fixes a lot of sanity issues in php uh gets it out of that realm of javascript and that's going to be nice but it might bring up some unexpected problems if you're expecting that behavior yeah it's a lot of legacy applications that don't do really good type hinting could have issues here yeah uh one that i'm i'm very curious about is a new null safe operator uh so normally we have the uh user object points to address object points to address line one now you can question mark point two and it will not throw a uh, error on null object error 
See, I was doing that with the null coalescing. This one is chainable. With null coalescing, you have to give it an alternative. Like mm. a if if there's no object, then give it this. This is just chainable and will return null at the end of the chain if it hits null at some point. Hmm. Um, I hate it. This is like reintroducing the ampersand or the, the at to suppress errors. Y- yes and no. I... The reason I don't hate it so much is I've got a lot of those object, object, objects where you could be doing something that returns false instead of an object because it's a legacy. Now that we have much better type hinting, especially return types, we're trying to be so much better about not doing that. You either return a specific object or throw an exception. But there's so much legacy code where it's, hey, if you don't have it, return false. And you're expecting the outside code to evaluate it. But when you're chaining, you're not doing that. You're like, yeah, just... I'm assuming this is going to work throughout this entire chain. I, I guess I'm just afraid of junior developers using it everywhere instead of a regular expectation of the object being correct. I agree. If if you are doing good type hinting, good return types, this should not be necessary at all. Right. And it's going to hide errors from you. If you end up somewhere in line 300 with a null reference error, that error could go all the way up to line two and you just wouldn't know. If, if you were using the question mark arrow and not checking for null afterwards, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I, it's it, this this just it seems like it's too easy of a badly abused. I don't fully hate it for the reasons I mentioned. I think it will. Although if you have legacy applications and now you're putting this in there, maybe you should just fix the, the application itself. But that being said, maybe that's not the, the right approach. Yeah. Next up, I'm very excited about. It's a paradigm shift for PHP, fundamentally. Uh, Turns it into what I consider a completely different language if you use it. Uh, Named arguments. Yeah, this wasn't new. This has been part of the... This was approved a while ago, I thought. I think it just got done voting in April. (laughs) August. August. No, we've we've talked about it on the show before. Voting opened 7-10-2020. Yeah. So I know we've talked about it on the show uh, at least once. So it got approved a month ago. Um, and it's going to be in eight. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, they did apply it to all of the uh, built-in or many of the built-in methods. So the ones that were <clears throat> seemingly in the incorrect order can now be in the order that you want them in if you name them. I like it, especially in the, the methods where you just pass in numbers. It's like, what do the numbers represent? Uh-huh. Or if, you're, mm-hmm. if you're not passing in variables already where your variables are named the, the proper thing, I, I hate getting to some sort of method call and having just random things and not knowing what they represent. PHP Storm makes that a lot better for me. PHP Storm shows me the variable or the, yeah, the variable names of the, the method I'm calling. So maybe this is less necessary now, but not everybody uses an IDE. So yeah. It's still, it's going like to be it. nice. I like it. And uh, adding it in doesn't uh, mean you have to use it. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're using a library that has it all added in and everything, it uh, doesn't mean you have to use it. You can still use the order. The, pro- the order that the method is declared in. Yes. <clears throat> and then there is the constant struggle with the attribute syntax. Attributes got approved for PHP 8 and will be in it we just don't know what the syntax is for it yet because everyone hates everyone else's ideas. 
And it's I thought all they settled. No, it's mm-hmm. all that they talk about on internals right now. Really? There are, I think, six proposals. I thought the ADAT was finally accepted. They're Ad- still going back and forth on it? ADAT is what's in the attribute syntax uh, RFC, the original, that got approved. But changing it is now several different RFCs. There's ADAT, there's uh, hash square bracket, at square bracket. Uh, do, do you know what the argument is against ADAT? It's ugly. It's not used by any other languages. Um, breaks backwards so, compatibility of PHP 7 code. So some of these, some of these other ones are used by other languages. Uh, yes. Um, okay. I'm the, not calling you out. You don't have to. No, I've got the I've got the table of positives and negatives in front of me here. And there's actually a row that says used by other language. Add yes. is not. <laughs> add add is not. Um, hash square brackets is and less than less than greater than greater than is. Um, See, I think that one's ugly. Me too. The yeah, interesting yeah, thing. The interesting thing is that uh, that one does not break backwards compatibility of PHP seven. So if you write something in compatibility for seven and eight, then that bracket change wouldn't break anything. The uh, the compiler would see that as a comment. Um, it's funny to see how the voting is like mm-hmm. just through each, each iteration. How the voting is like slowly changing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm shocked that it, it's that seen as a comment. The less than less than greater than greater than. I would not have known that was a comment syntax. Yeah, I wouldn't either. The the overwhelming winner right now for first preference is hashtag or or pound square bracket um which is not backwards compatible wasn't the pound sign uh, a comment for a while in php is it still is it is okay yeah (sighs) a pound sign is a single line comment yeah Mm -hmm. so that's the issue is that uh these attributes can be multi-line so it's it is such a huge such a huge mess I I hate the idea of having a, the trailing delimiter. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It just bugs me. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I agree. I'm still anyway. liking the add add. I'm still liking it. I mean, the pa- pound bracket is okay, I guess. Um, there's the weirdness of, you know, not only in PHP, but many other comments, a pound symbol is a comment. Uh, uh, many other languages, a pound symbol is a comment. So that throws me off a little bit, but I'm, I guess I'm okay with it. I still like the add add. I don't. Based on this table, I like at colon just because it doesn't break PHP 7 code. Oh, I didn't even see that one. At colon. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I I prefer at colon as well. And and the voting seems to like that as uh, not, let's say, no. No one likes that. I say in in, in round five, a lot of people liked it, but then it went away again. Yeah. I, I only like it because of that issue or that specific thing, but I don't write code that I need that I'm going to need both eight and seven to work. It's either going to work and we're going to upgrade yeah. to eight and use it, or we're not. And we're only going to have right. seven for a year. All right, I, w- I want to try to I want to try to fit one more topic in here. If you guys are you done, Thomas? Uh, the one last one I saw, which I didn't add a card for here on here, is that uh, the the namespace is now going to be treated as a single token. It won't be broken up into a token slash token slash token slash. The only impact of this is that you can have a directory named things that are reserved keywords now. So your namespaces can have app slash class 
or app slash function slash, and then that's a fun, that's a valid namespace now because that token won't bump with an existing function token. So it's it's an internal. I change. didn't really, I didn't realize you couldn't have class in your namespace. But then again, I've never tried. You can't have class as the full name of a directory in your namespace. Mm. Um, but now you can. So that's well, that just it. changes everything. Fantastic. Or absolutely nothing. It, it changes, <laughs> or, or absolutely changes nothing. nothing, but it allows for a, a slightly nicer directory structuring for people who want to have reserved keywords in their namespaces for some reason. So a little tech tech gripe now. Uh, we're running a little long, so I want to be quick about this. John brought up something this morning. I'm like, oh, man, I have some opinions of this, but I, I, let's save it for the show. And oh, yeah. And within the 24 well, within the eight hours we had this conversation, or maybe 12 hours now, um, they got a, I, I think they got a reprieve, but John was asking about the thought of Lyft and Uber shutting down in California. And if you're not familiar with what's going on, California passed a law that basically said that made it hard to have contractors. It said, listen, if the people working for you are, are working in your industry for your company, they have to be employees. And as a result at Diego Dev, uh, we had we hired all of our contractors. Uh, well, most of our contractors. We have a couple who are out of out of country, and that got too complicated. So there's actually still contractors, but so all the U.S. Yeah, all the U.S. based developers are now employees of Diego Dev. This, I mean, you know, that's not sugarcoated. This was an undertaking for us as far as it costs it cost us and it's costing us a lot more money than it did previously to to have these these now employees but you know if i I assume everybody understands the difference between an employee and a contractor contractor is basically responsible for all the money all their taxes all their all their health insurance and everything as an employee we have to pay employee taxes employer taxes we have to report that you know stuff we we have to offer insurance all this other stuff so this all came about because of Uber and Lyft, the, the, they were like the primary reason uh, this law was created, and they've been kind of circumventing this this law, basically telling the the California government, "No, we're not doing this. Where we we don't see the drivers of Uber and the drivers of Lyft as being employees of our company. Our company is a tech based company that creates an application that allows people." to make money ride-sharing. So the fact that they're making money using our application is on them. They're contractors. They're not employees. This has been going around. Well, that deadline was like today. And as I stated, they, they got a injunction to basically say, okay, you got more time before you have to comply as we figure all this out. But basically Uber and Lyft are saying, well, we're not making them employees. We're going to shut down service in California. That's that's kind of what they're holding over California's head. What's your what is y'all's opinion of this? I'm curious. I think it would be awesome to have a company that would treat the drivers as employees. I don't know but, but I haven't talked to have... it I haven't talked to enough of the drivers, but I, I think I've heard from both sides of that, where some of them like being contractors in the sense that they are their own boss. Mm-hmm. They are their, they can choose when they start, when they stop. How many but then there's others. There? Right. I think, I think the people that view it as a part-time job like it. The people that are trying to make it their full-time income, they would prefer to be an employee and have some sort of benefits and 
be treated well. My, and, and that's from a, my go ahead. That's, a, that's actually the feedback we got from our developers as well. Uh, we, we probably had a 50-50 split of developers who didn't want to be employees. They liked the freedom of being a contractor. They liked the freedom of saying, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be able to work for the next couple of weeks. I'm going away. You know, I'm going on vacation. It doesn't matter, right? You know, they, they, they do whatever they want to do when they want to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I get that piece. Mm-hmm. Thomas, do you have any feedback? It, this is a really, really sticky one. I want to be clear. I hate Uber, the company. Okay. They are known for their bad business practices and ethical issues with uh, the upper management and treatment of developers and basically like all of the ethics issues you can have they've had, including uh, accidentally killing someone on a bicycle. So I don't like them, but to a very large extent, I agree. They are providing an opportunity that you can pick up when you see it. They're not requiring you to do it. You're not, your employment is not contingent on doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes you a contractor and forcing people into the role of employee when they don't want to be employees isn't the right solution to whatever the problem is. The the question is, what problem is California trying to solve? Are they not getting tax collections from the employees? Are they not filing? But there's been lots of... Okay. Go ahead, John. John. I was going to say, no, but there's been lots of walkouts of the contractors of uber drivers where they're like no we are employees we are doing this job we deserve benefits you know we but that's companies making that's a stupid misunderstanding money but but that's a stupid misunderstanding on their part of what they are choosing to do because i'm not i'm not disagreeing there if I made a – let's throw woodworking out there. If I if I was asking for somebody to build me a deck on a website and I found somebody through that website who built me a deck, is the website responsible for them being an employee of the website? Like where does that line get so, drawn? Now, I understand so, Uber is setting rates. That changes things a bit, but only a little bit because if there's a mass walkout on Uber, all the rates go up. So if everyone started driving for Lyft because Lyft offers employee benefits – then Lyft gets cheaper, Uber gets more expensive, and the whole thing balances itself out. The big problem to me is that they're taking over for a monopoly that was an employee-based system, and now everyone is upheaved by the whole thing. Because this was a taxi system. This was a monopoly run by the government based off of taxi coins. So it depends on what problem they're trying to solve. And you you exactly, you, you, you touched on it. You've touched on several points that I wanted to ask you guys. First off, to, to your point earlier, earlier, John, of you'd rather see them treated better with employee benefits. Isn't that a taxi driver? Aren't taxi drivers employees? Take a taxi then, right? Why don't you? Because, you know, there's this gap in technology and whatever. Well, I, that's part of it. I mean, if if there was something between the two where there was a company kind of like Uber where it was easy to get a taxi to your place without having to jump through the hoops, then maybe I would take that. I also think that Uber and Lyft got into the, the game because they had such cheap rates. They got, they get people hooked on it. They're still losing money. What's it going to take for them to make money? I I can tell you that it's not the cheap rates anymore, though. It's the fact that the guy who's going to take you home is already one minute away from where you're at. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're at the airport 
they give taxis preferential treatment. The first line of off-boarding vehicles is taxis. If you're an Uber driver, you have to wait in a different section further away from the gates. So there's already a built-in favoritism towards taxis, and that's why the taxis are still successful there at airports. But if you're at a buddy's house and you need a ride over to your house or you need a ride to the grocery store, your neighbor is an Uber driver. He'll take you. He's waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or you can wait 45 minutes for a taxi to show up, provided you can, you know, they, they will service your area. A disgusting taxi, by the way, that does not give you breath mints for being a customer. And, I mean, and kind of Uber. to Thomas's point earlier, I, you know, the, the thing that popped in my head, and this might be an oversimplification, but like to your example, like eBay, do all the big sellers on eBay do they have to be employees now? Right? It's it's like where where what is the di- differentiator there? What where's the line drawn that says okay, this is actually a service that people can use to make money, but they don't have to be employees of the company. I mean, where where is that? Where, where is that yeah, line? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it, is that that line depends entirely on what you're trying to achieve. If you're trying to collect taxes that drivers aren't paying, then you need to classify Uber as the tax collector for you. You need mm-hmm. to change corporate law. If you're trying to ensure the health and well-being of the people working for Uber, then you need to change disclosure and options laws. Make sure that if the person wants to become an employee or works 30 or 40 hours for that company, they get employee benefits like what they did with part-time and full-time work. But if all employees have to be, or if all workers have to be employees, what you've done is unionized something that didn't want to be unionized. Mm. And it's... I, it comes down to the question, why? Why is California doing this? Is it because there's an income problem or is it because it's a rights problem? But either way, this isn't the correct solution because they're infringing on people's rights to be contractors and you're forcing companies to collect taxes for people who are going to have to request it back at the end of the year because they did and four I, hours. I, I agree. I, that, that's That's always been one of my things. I think part of it is... It's less work for them as far as tracking the taxes on who owes them what, because now it's the company's responsibility to report that. And it's less overhead on them as far as health insurance and worrying about universal health insurance for everybody if companies have to offer health insurance to employees. So I think it alleviates a lot of tension from the state on on. Items now. I'm not saying that they're admitting that's what the issue is, but as a business owner, I feel that's got to be one of the driving factors. It's just alleviating those two kind of okay. Now they don't have to worry about health insurance, and they don't have to worry so much about taxes because they have these entities now that have to provide the stuff to their employees. Right. It's it, it puts relief on the Cobra healthcare program and collects taxes that they might have to return, but they can still profit from while it's collected. Mm-hmm. It's this looks like a benefit for the government of California and a negative for the citizens and the corporations. Although I don't really care about corporations at all. I don't either. My my point comes from the some of the demonstrations that I've seen where people are demanding. They're they're saying that they are employees. They're they are working the hours of an employee. They feel like they're employees. Yeah, and they're working those hours because they choose. They choose to work those hours. No one chooses to work. That's that's a double standard. Uber's not going to them and saying, John, you have to do 40 hours this week. You only gave us 30 hours last week, so we need at least 40 or 45 from you this week. 
I, I completely get that. And with with our contractors, we wanted 40 hours, but we never said you have to work 40, right? It was more mm-hmm. of an agreement like, hey, we have these hours available. If you want to work them, great. If not, we're going to have to bring on additional people. You let us know. So mm-hmm. we were basically doing but the same thing. you had that flexibility. And you, you weren't doing the same thing because you were paying somebody, not the customer. If If the client gave you all of the money and then you gave it to the customer that's the an contractor you mean? yeah that's the that's how that's how it works yeah. no no i'm <laughs> saying i'm saying if if their paycheck was coming from the clients that you find then that's contracting that's the the, the people riding in the back of the person's uber are the ones paying for the uber mm-hmm. uber is not paying people now it may come out of uber's account because they're collecting oh, I, I, the money i see what you're saying they're 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 well that's they're the, making that's the money for, for the service they do we don't have Outside of Argus now, we don't have anything that is Diego Dev. We have clients. Clients pay us to build something. We pay people to build that thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, but, but to, to Thomas's point, it's not like clients, it's not like clients pay per line of code for a contractor as they, they're writing, right? right. They, they pay us a fee and then we pay contractors. Whereas with Uber, the the driver of that car is getting money based on how long or how far he's driving the person in the back seat who's paying Uber and it, it, there's a direct correlation that guy doesn't just get a check for the hour it takes him to drive right if he was a bad employee and didn't drive anybody he wouldn't get any money right whereas whereas if you have a bad employee who doesn't write a single line of code he's going to get that week's paycheck but that'll be his last paycheck yeah so I, I, I see there, there are here. there are so many delineating lines. I want to know where California set the line to say Uber has to pay because Uber could change its business model after there's been an official ruling could change their business model by one inch and sneak past the ruling again. And California is going to have to ratify a new law that addresses that because there are so many places where the loophole exists that basically what California is trying to do is plug the dike. And every time they move their finger to plug one hole where the money's coming from, Uber can just say, no, we'll do it this way then. We'll we'll make sure that we give them a special form to fill out. And it states that they are this kind of employee. That's like an on demand. Or, or, or they, or they say, they, they, they just say, Hey, as a driver, you can't work more than 10 hours a week. Right. You or know? no, all of our drivers are paid interns now. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is I think Uber and Lyft, the, you know, they were, they were disruptive business models by design. And that is what they did. The if you don't agree with it, like when everybody protests Uber for something or, or Lyft for for something for one of their behaviors, I'm fine with. You still have a taxi service. I mean, taxi services are still a thing. If you want to go back to that, then go back to that. I'm surprised that that the taxi service has still even today are still so far behind. Like why haven't they stepped it up to make it more like an Uber solution? It's just amazing to me. Here's if you're a taxi service that wants to update your code, contact Diego dev. (laughs) We'll help you. We have, we have ideas. Here's an, here's an interesting way to look at this. And I'm going to use New York city for an example, because I have their information in front of me. To drive a taxi in New York City, you had to have what's called a taxi medallion, which is a Mm -hmm. physical coin that says, I am authorized to drive 
a taxi around New York. And a company, a taxi company, might have 20 cabs, but they'll only have 10 of these medallions. And when you get out of your cab, the the medallion transfers to a different guy and he starts driving. So these medallions were issued by the state of, or by, by New York City and sold to the highest bidder so that they could pay for whatever road maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. This was a way of making money for New York City, Chicago, Boston, Cambridge, Philadelphia, San Francisco, all these different cities. In 2013, an auction of one of these medallions was over $1 million. So to drive a cab in New York, you had to pay $1 million. The city could issue new medallions all they wanted to. So they had a way of essentially printing money. If you think about how many cabs are in New York City in movies and TV shows and stuff, each one of those cabs is driving around at the cost of a $1 million in 2013. 2014 to 2015, which you'll notice is when Uber kicked in, the value of those medallions dropped 45%. In 2019, 16 medallions were offered at auction, three of which sold for 137000 136 and 138000 The other 13 had no bidders. <laughs> That's how much money cities are losing to Uber. So mm. it's a lot of money. And if, if New York <laughs> City wanted to make $10 million overnight, they could just issue 10 more taxi tokens and correct me if i'm wrong and i may be totally off base with this but i thought before uber and lyft became a thing i thought the taxi service even had a system where if you wanted to be your quote-unquote own business you could be an own business and rent taxis from a taxi service and you didn't rent taxis you rented the medallion rented the medallion yeah Yeah, you're absolutely right you did rent the, the medallion which again, that seems slimier than what Uber was doing. Yep, it's like pay me money if you want to make money. And by the way, every every fare you take, we get a percentage of that as well. Well, now um, Uber's doing a lot worse. You ever notice how all the Uber cars are nice and new? It's because the Uber has a leasing program that they run. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. It's uh, the, yeah. Uber is sleazy too. The whole thing is sleazy. Well, I'm yeah, not saying they're not. I'm just saying the taxi service was. It disrupted the market and California reacted in what I think is an overbearing and dysfunctional way. Well, they reacted in a way that, that impacted so many other businesses and, yeah. and, and fields and oh my goodness, it was crazy. All right, well, we're way, way over here, so I think uh, I think we need to wrap oh, it up. Way over. I'm tired. We're pretty far over. I need to uh, I need to pack a bag and head out to AZ in the morning. So, all right, uh, that's gonna do it. This is episode two hundred two. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our Patreons for your support. Your rewards are coming in the mail. I don't know what I did with the one I have here, but. I'm, I promise I won't lose them again. I, I got them. <laughs> Until next week, I'm no, Eric. You lose them. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, keep, it, keep ugly. it ugly. Thanks for listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. If you would like to support PHP Ugly, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash phpugly. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in the PHP Ugly Discord channel. Show notes and RSS feed can be found at phpugly.com. To catch the live stream, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash phpugly. 
You can also subscribe to the edited podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at diegodev.com. Until next week, keep it ugly.